0: Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Good morning, everybody. Good to uh, be with you once again. if you have your Bibles, get them out. I'm going to be kind of all over the place this morning. Um, I'll be in Jeremiah, John, and the Gospel of Mark primarily, and then some of the other Gospels. But um, I want to start by giving this, um, not really an illustration, but just kind of let you in on, on this theme in the Scriptures that probably most of us aren't aware of. And that is, Ken, can you turn the lights on? Or Pat? Pat? These front ones, um, thanks. Um, in the in primarily in the Old Testament, although it shows up in the New Testament as well, you see a common theme of uh, the description of uh, walking with God, um, a relationship with God as a journey on a road. And most of us probably don't think of it along those lines, but it's all over the place. Um, I spent I'd, I'd seen this before, and I did some. Some study on it briefly, but then I stopped at some point this week as I was working on the message, and I started to, I just looked up like all the scripture passages on roads and ways, or, or there's, there's different ways of saying the same thing, but the words are, are the same. And I was blown away. I probably came across probably 30, 40 scripture passages that, that likened a journey with God with, with heading on a road or a direction or taking a walk. Okay. Um, probably the prime example that we have starting off the bat is in Genesis 3 when it talks about the, the fact that the Lord God walked in the garden of Eden. And so we, we have an image here of, of the first human beings, um, Adam and Eve, walking with God. Like that was a normal thing that they did. And that was a part of their relationship. They communed in that way, in a mysterious way. I'll give you some other um, examples before we get to Jeremiah. Psalm 25.10. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. And so right there you have this example of this path. God's path leads to loving kindness and truth. Another one in Psalm uh, 16, verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. So essentially what the psalmist is saying is there's a path that leads to life. And God makes that known to his people. And God desires that to be known to his people. But probably the one that's packed full of things is Jeremiah 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Jeremiah 6. And just to look at this briefly before we go on. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Okay, so Jeremiah is essentially saying there's a crossroads. There's decisions that have to be made. You can go right, you can go left, you can go forward, you can go back. And then he says, and ask for the ancient paths. So apparently there are these paths that have been around a long time. And you're supposed to long for these, ask for these, imply or, or request them from God. Ask where the good way is. That word in Hebrew, way, means road. Okay, road, way, that's same way, same thing. And you will find rest for your souls. And so we have crossroads, ancient paths, a good way. We're supposed to walk in that way. And then when we walk in that way, you'll find rest. I think this is the, the exact same scripture passage that Jesus is actually referring to when he, when he shares what he shares in the Gospels about that my, my, my teachings are easy and light and you'll find rest. And he's referring back to this passage in, in Jeremiah 6. Okay. In other words, his way is easy. His burdens are light. You'll find rest in him. And I want us to just kind of be aware of this because I'm going to come back to this idea of walking with God as a a journey that we take together, as a path that we walk down. Because it's important, if you don't understand that concept, what I'm about to say is it's not going to click. It's not going to make sense. We're in this series talking about cultivating space for with God in our lives, in our daily lives. And the more I think about cultivating space, there's all kinds of things we could talk about, you know, saving time, letting things go, saying yes to things, saying no to things, showing up for, for, you know, prayer gatherings, things of that nature. Those are things that we think about. But at the end of the day, probably the most important thing that we can do if we want to cultivate space, in other words, create, uh, we, we use that image that Lauren did a great job of, of making, and, and it was, and this image came up before um, during the vision process and after the vision process as so we prayed together as a community of faith, but like tilling soil, right, turning soil over. So here, here you can see it's a field, and the field's been prepared, um, and, and maybe they've planted or maybe they haven't. I don't know, Todd could tell us the difference between, but the, there's rows there. Usually rose is a good sign, isn't it? It means something's ready. So whatever was there before has been cleared out, and it's, it's ready for the seeds to be planted, but it's been cultivated. The soil's been cultivated. It's been churned over, and it's been made ready. And that, that word is intentional as to why we use that to, to describe the series we're in. But um, one of the things that, that came forward also during the, our prayer time as a church was, around the vision, was probably the most important thing you can do to cultivate space for God in your life is repent. It's Repentance. Repentance has everything and nothing to do with your time, your stuff, all those things. It's a whole other level of deepening and turning the soil over in your life and exposing things that need to be exposed so that you could be set free from those things. Because that's what God wants for you in your life. And so for the month of October, we're going to talk about repentance. And I can tell you, in I don't know how many years I've been doing ministry, 20 something years now. I've never preached a series on repentance, which is really sad if you think about it in a way, um, in part because I don't feel like I understood it well enough to say anything about it. And even when I was preparing this series and trying to outline, okay, well, what is each week going to look like, I was like, Lord, I, I, I know how to talk about repentance from a theological standpoint, I know how to, to talk about the words and to define those things and to, to describe it, but like getting down to the nitty-gritty of like what repentance is and what happens when we repent, man, that's powerful stuff. And, but I also knew we needed to talk about it. So this morning, my desire is to kind of lay this foundation of what, an understanding of what repentance is because we need to have that. And then as we move forward, we're, we're kind of going to turn the soil over in that area of repentance in our lives. And my desire is by the end... Um, Man, there's, there's powerful movements of God in you that will take place through, through this time. Through our time together and in the times between the times together. Um, that we do the things we need to do to, to create space in our lives with the Lord. But when we think about repentance, actually the first thing that usually comes forward, at least for me, is confession. And those are, those are different things. They overlap with each other, but they're different things. But whenever I would think about confession repentance, I would think about confession would immediately come to mind. And so I want to start with confession and then move to repentance so that we see the difference between the two and how we need to have an understanding of both. Okay? Probably the best, um, because confession really in in our culture, not just necessarily the Christian culture, but in our culture is just basically um, admitting you've done something wrong. That seems to be what confession is about. And if you watch, you know. Law and Order episodes, it was always about we got to get the guy to confess, right, to the, to the thing that he did wrong. We got to get a confession out of him, okay? How many Law and Order fans do we have? Come on. I know everyone's watched this show. It's been around forever. It probably needs to go away. Um, but it was, it's all about confession. So confession was like, well, we need to get this person to admit what they did wrong. Um, and, and there's an element of truth in that. That's, that's, that's where the the word comes from, but there's, there's a deeper truth. In 1 John, if you've never read 1 John, you need to spend some time in First, Second, and Third John. There's absolutely profound things that, that John is saying in these. Same, same person that, that wrote the Gospel of John is writing these records, and he's sending them to the church to encourage them. 1 John 1.9. This is a verse that I memorized when I was in fifth grade. I was in a class. If you've been around long enough, I've told this story before. But I was in a class, just like we have, a, a really solid class that taught kids and we had these memory verses that were on the wall. There's two of them, First John 1, 9 and 1 John 5, through 13. And if you memorize those verses, you got a, a, a lollipop. And so that was enough for me. But I look back now and I realize the brilliance of that teacher. Because how, of how profound these scripture verses were. And all, all he cared about was getting it into us in some way. Trusting that the power of God's word would have its way in us at some point. And I can tell you it did. So 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, right there, that one verse alone is packed full of, of truth. Brilliant truth. So this word confess in the Greek, I'm going to tell you a little about about it. Um, homo legeo is, is is how you say it in Greek. But often how it's translated is to admit something that you've done wrong. Okay? Or, or usually out loud. To out loud verbalize something that, that you've done wrong. So in the Christian world, we apply that to the sin in our life, and we admit that we do something wrong. Right? That's probably, most of us have, have heard or understand it that way. But homologeo means something more than that. Homo is where we, we get our means of the same. Um, Logeo means speech or words. And literally, homologeo means of the same speech. So In John's mind, what is confession? Confession is where you are admitting to something and you're seeing it in the way that God sees it. Does that make sense? So you're literally aligning yourself and seeing it in the way that God sees something. And because God sees it as wrong, you are now seeing it as wrong and you are verbalizing the fact that it's wrong. That's much different than I just did something wrong. Are you with me on that one? That's big. Okay. Now here's where it gets powerful. So that's the act. He says, if, if we come in alignment and we see what we've done as wrong in the same way that God sees that we've done as wrong, which is what homologeo is, and we, ad, we admit that before the Lord, it says that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. So there, there is a, a process or a system that God has set up, and this all flows through the cross. The cross is the key to all of this. The death and the res- res- resurrection of Jesus makes all this possible. But literally, God binds himself to this process in such a way that when we confess, God has to respond. Because God wants to respond. That's what God wants to do. And so he created this confession response forgiveness system that John is is trying to teach the the church about. And and that's what happens. So when we confess our sins, God forgives us. That forgiveness is released from God. Always present, always there. We're always invited into it. And the really question becomes, why the heck do we don't don't do it more often, really? And I'll get into that as we get into this series, because there's lots of reasons for that. But not only does that happen, not only do we, when we come into agreement with seeing things as, as an issue or a problem, what the Bible calls sin, we confess that out loud, God forgives us, but it doesn't end there. It says, and purify us from all unrighteousness. So even things that we're not committing or confessing, God is doing a work in our lives around. So God is essentially giving us more than we're asking for. That's grace. That's exactly what the definition of grace is, receiving what you don't deserve. That's powerful. That's confession. And so confession literally brings something forth out of the heart of God that, that works to set us free from these bounds that we have. Okay? That alone is, is powerful, and, and we need to have an understanding of that. But that's not repentance. Repentance is different. Confession brings freedom to us. Conf- repentance brings transformation into our lives. There's a difference there. Okay? And so what I want to do is I want to kind of lay this groundwork this morning on this idea of repentance and why it's so important for us, Gospel of Mark. If you again turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, go left a little bit from 1 John. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 15. And I, I preached on this uh, this summer because we talked about the kingdom of God. And this is, these are Jesus' words after he's been baptized, after he's gone into the desert, and he's defeated Satan um, with the temptations that he's endured and fasted for 40 days. He comes out and he starts his ministry, and these are the first words that he says The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So here's this word, repent. Repentance, same thing, same word, okay? Again, um, it's important for us to understand, and and Dave Gruel does a good job of keeping me in check when I write the Daily Quiet Time, which we started again, by the way. Um, There's physical copies there. Uh, If you normally got the Daily Quiet Time, you should have received it this week. As we're starting core groups together, some of those core groups are using the Daily Quiet Time but it's it's one of the things that we encourage here at Washington Church is that you spend daily time with the Lord. And so we write material that is connected to the message that you can spend each day reflecting on as you go. So on Monday, you'll look at a, a reflection, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so Monday through Friday. So if you don't get that, you can email the church office and ask for the daily quiet time material and we'll send it to you, All right? But um, a reminder is that... Uh, The Bible wasn't written in English. Okay, That's probably the the copy you have. That's perfectly normal. It's perfectly great. It's it's a blessing that we have copies in English. Lots of copies. But the the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament primarily was written in Hebrew and some Aramaic. Some pockets uh, were written in Aramaic. But this word repent, it's important for us to ask that question. What does it mean it's an original intent? In Greek, the word is metanoia. Metanoia is two words brought together, meta and noeo, okay? Meta means after, with, or around, and noeo means our mind, the way we think, the way we comprehend. So literally, Jesus is saying, because the kingdom of God is at hand, we have to change or transform the way we think, because it's not possible in your current state of thinking to be able to experience the kingdom of God, or, or last in it in any capacity, and that's what Jesus is saying. That's where this word comes from, metanoeo, okay? To change one's mind, to change one's feeling about what you see, how you recognize things, to realize that how you saw things prior was foolish and you misunderstood and, and that God is inviting you to see it in a new way. That's essentially what metanoeo means, Okay? But we ask, well, what, are, what is this foolish way that we used to see? And what is, Jesus inviting, what is this new way that Jesus is inviting us into? And when we, we realize we've tried our own way and it's not worked, Jesus invites us to see things in a new way. That's, that's essentially what Mentenoeo is. But here's, where, here's another layer of it. This is where you'll have to track with me. So we have our Bibles, they're written in Greek in the New Testament. We have Mark recording uh, Jesus speaking these words in Greek in the New Testament. And the reason that he did this, the reason that, that Mark would have recorded this, is because that was the common language of the time. And so that these guys wanted to get this message out to as many people as possible. And so they wrote it. It'd be like today, somebody would write it in English. Because around the world, that's, that's the most dominant language aside from Mandarin, Um, in most of the world. And so if you wanted something to be read by a lot of people, you'd write it in that language. Okay, that's what Mark did. But most likely, Jesus wasn't speaking Greek. He was speaking Hebrew. And so the question becomes, well, what does repentance look like in in the Hebrew mind, in the Hebrew mindset? And if you get your Greek lexicon out, and then you get your Hebrew lexicon out, like I know you all do when you go home after this, you'll check check it out and make sure it, it all lines up. You'll, um, it won't take you too long, and you'll find the word teshuva. And I'll show you what it looks like. This is the word teshuva. In Hebrew, this is, this is translated as repentance. Okay? This is most likely what, what Jesus said in Mark one fifteen when he was talking to the disciples. When he was talking to the crowds, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, a little bit about Hebrew. Every Hebrew word has three consonants that are its root, and everything flows out of the root. And so for teshuva, it's it's the S, the H, and the V. Okay? A little Hebrew lesson for for this morning. Everything added to the end, everything added to the beginning, shifts things around subtly, but the root of it is always the root. And every word has a root that you go back to. And so when you realize that, that word, Teshuvah, or shuv, means to turn or to return to something. So essentially what Jesus is saying is, I want you to turn or to return. Well, what are we supposed to turn or to return to? So confession is to openly declare what you've done wrong. Repentance is to come to the realization that not only have what you've done wrong, been destructive and leads to death, but you're invited to turn to a better way, a different way, the way that God has for you. And see, outside of a relationship with Jesus, that's not an option for us. So somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus doesn't even know that they can turn to a different, better way, to God's way, because they haven't been, that hasn't been made known to them Okay? So it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we recognize there's a better way, there's a new way. And the Holy Spirit breaks into to those who don't believe, to, to non-believers, when, when they come to realization of who Jesus is, and that is made available to them. <clears throat> but Yeshua says that we were created to walk in a certain path, then we wander off that path and violate our true selves, causing destruction, which the Bible commonly calls sin. And we wander off this path in many different ways. I'll give you some examples. When we look for love that already belongs to us, we are wandering off that path. When we tried to be someone we were not, to impress others so that they would love us, we were trying to gain a love we already had, and we were wandering off that path. When you put someone else down to make yourself feel better, forgetting that you already loved and that you already belong, you're wandering off that path. When you're willing to subject yourself and compromise your morals and your beliefs in order to gain or put yourself forward, you're wandering off that path. When you gave yourself away to someone who did not commit themselves wholly to you, you're wandering off the path, and on and on and on and on. But then there's a moment that you realize that you've wandered from that path and that you are a part of a system that is hurtful and negative. Then there's a moment you turn from whatever path you're walking down because you realize it's not good or helpful or beneficial. That is teshuva. That's repentance. Jesus says this in John fourteen six: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Again, this image of the way. It can be translated in Greek actually as hados, which means road. I am the road. I am the path that leads to health, that leads to life. This journey that you're walking down, the key to that journey is me. Is essentially what Jesus is saying. See, in Christ, we come to realize that our true self is grounded in the love of God. This enables you to to live and speak from a solid foundation, allowing us... So when we we come to a place where we realize who we truly are in Christ, that's what we're going to talk about in November, is identity. When we come to that place when we realize both who we are and how much God loves us, and we look at the messiness of our life, and most of the time we just we hide that away because of shame or what others think of us. But when we recognize how much God loves us, we realize God is revealing this stuff to me so that I could bring it out in the open and be set free from it, and we're no longer shamed by it or controlled by it. The scriptures talk about things that need to be brought into the light, and that when things are hidden in the darkness, they stay hidden. And when they stay hidden, they, they corrupt us in a way. And they make us feel isolated and alone. And what, the, what God wants to do is bring things out into the light and help us realize that we're not alone. And he wants to set us free. And so we're invited to do so. Teshuva, <coughs> or repentance, means you're able to realize when you've wandered off the path and you find your way back to God's intentional will for your life. And when you do that, you celebrate. You thank God for revealing your sin to you, and then you have a party. That's what Luke 15, the prodigal son, is all about. He realizes what he'd done and the choices that he'd made, and that wasn't the path that God had for him, and he returns to be celebrated. You realize that I used to be foolish, I used to be an idiot, and I wanted to do my own way, but God has a better way for me, and so I turn from that way, and I realize that this is the way that leads to life. God's way, God's path. See, repentance, that's why repentance cultivates space for healing in our lives, or cultivates space for God in our lives, because a lot of what we deal with, a lot of what we wrestle through, a lot of what we, that keeps us from being able to experience God and be used by God, is just baggage that we've lived through. It's what Ann Bernice calls junk in your house that you need to go through and clear out and any moment of any day, you're invited to do that, but that's hard to do because we have to admit that we've done something wrong. That's what confession is. But repentance is even more powerful. So if confession is, is, is aligning yourself with seeing the things that, that God sees and recognizing that it's not right, and so you confess that out loud, but if you keep coming back to that in a, in a way of perpetual sin, which we'll talk about next week, and you just do that over and over again, that's not repentance. That's just confession. Repentance is having that thing revealed to you, recognizing that the way you're walking in your life is heading in a destructive or dangerous way, realizing that God shows you a new way. You literally turn around and you head in the way that God wants you to head, to say that I don't want to do that thing anymore, and I'm turning from that way into the way that God has for me. That's repentance. And so confession and repentance dovetail with each other, but they're not the same thing. And in repentance, you need confession, but you can have confession without repentance. Does that make sense? Okay, That's why repentance is so crucial. And this repentance actually leads to life. In Acts eleven eighteen, we see this. This is when, when Peter is preaching to the Gentiles for the first time when the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. And it says, when they heard this, they had no further objections. This is the, the Jerusalem council and the Jewish people who had objections to the gentiles but they heard the story of what happened with Peter and Cornelius and they praised God saying so then even to gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life so this very repentance leads to life and not just upon conversion when we give our lives to Christ but over and over and over again every time we repent it leads to new life deepening in us because we are we are taking more of ourselves and what we've been doing that was unhealthy out, or are removing it out of the equation, we're, we're essentially saying, God, I want to have your way in this more and more and more, because we have to come to realize that God is not out to get you. You have a loving Father that doesn't want to shame you, that doesn't want to make you feel horrible and terrible. He wants to bring you back into the light when we've wandered into the dark spaces in our lives. And we all have these places. Each and every one of us in this room has things that we're carrying around with us that we are refusing for one reason or another to surrender to God. And in a dangerous way, and I'll talk more about this next week, part of the reason why is because we've over-identified with those things. And we don't know who we'd be or what our life would look like if we actually did surrender those things. Because it would be really scary for us. repentance is an invitation to transform the way we think and to return to the path that God created for us in the first place. So essentially, when Jesus is saying what he's saying about the kingdom of God being at hand, and essentially, he's, he's saying to us, a way has been made for you to be set free. God's way. And at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying, I think, is he's saying, come home. My sons and my daughters, come home. Come back to the path. Come back to the way that I created you to function and be in. That's what I want for you. Listen to this verse in Isaiah. This is profound and packed. Isaiah chapter 40. And this is what John quotes, John the Baptist quotes, when he is preaching in the wilderness and he's making a way. That's what he's doing. Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. This is what he's saying. It says this, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God, for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you look at this verse, you see these things going on here. So a way is being made in the wilderness, it says in verse 3. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. I don't know if you've ever been in the desert before, but I've walked in the desert before and it's very easy to get lost. Extremely easy. Especially if you don't know where you're going, you don't have a compass or a way to guide you. It's sand. And sand gets really confusing really fast, especially if wind might be blowing and your tracks are covered. And so essentially what, what Isaiah is saying is it, that at the heart of God's desire for his people, for all people, is that a highway would, be, we, would exist in the desert, literally a defined road that would take you through the desert to get you from point A to point B. Next he says, every valley should be raised up. So every low place that you have to climb into to walk through, which in Israel there's a lot of, all those would be, be raised up and, the, and the, the land would be level. So it'd be easy to walk across. And then he talks about the mountains will be made low. So God brings the mountains down so that you can walk easily. Again, everything's pointed in the same direction. And, and rugged paths that are hard to walk on are made plain or smooth or easy to walk on. Literally every different way there is. Deserts, valleys, mountains, rough roads. God smooths those all out. Why? Because he wants you to come to him. He wants he is making a way. That's what Isaiah is trying to say is God is making a way for you to come to him. That's his heart's desire. It, again, it's not to make you feel horrendous. It's not to isolate you and put you in the dark and make you feel terrible about the sins that you've committed because we've all committed them. And we've all felt that way about them. That's not the point. The point is there's a path, there's a better way. And that God is literally desiring for you to turn around and start walking in that way. But we struggle with that. We have a hard time with that. And many of us don't actually believe it's that simple and that easy. That's part that's another part of our problem. And so as we have this conversation around repentance as a church family, each and every week, what I'm going to invite us to do is, is to repent, is to surrender. It's confession, it's repentance, it's letting things go, it's it's creating space in our lives for God to come in and do what God wants to do. That's his desire. And, as, and, and no matter what, we'll still turn around and we'll walk in the wrong way, and that's part of being human. But God doesn't do those things to us. He waits on us to turn to him as he partners with us in it. But he leaves it on us. We can spend the rest of our lives holding on to, to all kinds of things, and God will honor that. That's what free will does. But at the same time, he's saying... I've given you the tools. I've brought the mountains down. I've, I've put a highway in the desert. I've raised the valleys. I've smoothed out the, the, the roads. I've done everything that I can because I love you so much. All I want you to do is turn around and head in the right direction, the healthy direction, the direction that leads to life. And that's on us. We then choose. Do we do that? Do we not? And I can tell you this morning, there is nothing you've done that discounts you from receiving forgiveness. It's important that we hear that. There's no ritual you need to go through. There's no certain prayers you need to pray. Forgiveness is released the moment that we confess our sins. That's what the scriptures say. That's what we believe. That's what we hold on to. That's the truth of who God is. And so this morning, as, as we come to the table... I love it. We have uh, um, our youth are serving us this morning, and and as we come to the table, maybe we be reminded of of the importance of of seeing God in that way, of recognizing God in that way. But before we get there, I'm going to lead us through a time of prayer, because this is something that we need to work on. If if you know, how do we do a better job at repentance? A couple things. One, create space in your life for a repentant lifestyle. Which means each and every day you're coming before the Lord and you're handing over those sins of your life. You're confessing. And you're handing them over in a way that, that you're saying, I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. I want, to, I want to walk on your path. I don't want to walk on my path anymore. And each and every day, that's, that's something that I picked up, I don't know, a decade ago. And, and every, every morning that I get up, that's, that's one of the ways I start my day. I go through and I, I confess my sins. Because I don't want those things to be an obstacle or an issue in my life. And I want God to be able to to use me in that way. The second thing is to seek repentance, not just confession. Don't settle with confession. Seek repentance. Seek to turn fully from sin. And walk in God's way. And when we turn from the direction that you're heading, we embrace what Jesus provides for us. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the only way. The only truth and the only source of life. But we're fully made available to us. And the table is, is an example of that for us as believers as we come to the table. It's fully made available to us. We celebrate the, the, the body and the blood of Christ. And so I want to invite you to do this right now. Just in your seats where you are, whatever you have in your lap, put it down. You don't need to take notes anymore. We're just going to spend some time with the Lord. And, and um, after we spend time with the Lord, when you're ready... You're going to come to the table. <clears throat> and before I lead us in prayer, let me just walk us through this reminder. Then I'll pray for us, and then you'll be re- invited to uh, come forward. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, and he said, This is my body broken for you. And he handed it around. And then he took the cup, which is the cup of the new covenant, and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, whenever you get together, be reminded of my body and my blood leads to new life, leads to forgiveness of sins. And and so as we take these things into our very bodies this morning physically, it's such a beautiful act that, that God gave us these symbols, but the symbols are physical and we get to touch them And we get to be reminded of the truth that comes with them. So as we ingest these things, know that you're forgiven. God has made a way for you to be forgiven. But want more than forgiveness, want more than confession, desire repentance, desire to turn from what you've been doing and head in the direction that God has for you so that you don't do it anymore. Would you join me in prayer? And as I pray, I'm just gonna bring forward prompts and I'm gonna invite you in that area of your life to confess to God the things that come forward, the things that the Lord brings forward to you. Speak them, speak them out loud, even just under quietly to yourself, but don't hold it in. The Bible also talks about being willing to confess to others. And if you feel like you need to do that as well, I would encourage you to do that. Don't, don't just have it between you and the Lord, but find a brother and sister that you can confide in, you trust. And you can share these things with. Father, we thank you for how much you love us. We thank you that you've made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. But Lord, as, as we are human beings and we have choices that we make, we don't always make the best choices. And so we sin. Oftentimes we find ourselves in that perpetual loop of sinning and that's not how you designed us to live. That's not how we were created to be. We were created to be in relationship with you. Living lives just like Jesus lived, to be more and more like Jesus. So that's what our hearts desire. And so we bring things before you this morning in our lives that need to be uncovered and surrendered to you, let go of. So we want to take a moment and we want to do that now. So on your own, I just want to invite you to just simply pray this prayer. Father, reveal to me the sin in my life that I need to confess to you. And as the Lord brings things forward, just speak them out loud. Father, forgive me for this. Father, forgive me for that. area of relationships in your life what needs to be confessed whether it's friendships or marriage relationships work relationships take a moment now and ask God what needs to be brought forward in the area of relationships confess those things to God area of our lives and our workplaces what needs to be brought forward or confessed to the Lord. finances what needs to be brought forth and confessed to God area of our idle time when we're not working when we're not with friends or family when we're just on our own in between things what are we doing that needs to be confessed before the Lord Finally, in the area of intimacy or sex, what is it that needs to be brought forth and confessed before the Lord? Father, you are so good and you are so loving. Your desire is not that you'd make a way because you have made a way already. You've made straight paths, you've brought the mountains down, you've brought the valleys high, you've cleared the rocks and the roots to clear our way back to you. And yet we still struggle struggle to believe it's true we struggle to believe you love us enough to accept us back lord and and there you stand with open arms ready and waiting holy spirit i ask that you would convict us for the things we were not able to speak this morning for the sin we weren't able to confess or even the sin that is perpetual in our lives father teach us how to break those The power of the Spirit is the only way. So as we journey together as a a church, a family, and the messiness comes forward, Lord, may there be grace upon grace upon grace that we show to one another. And even this morning, Lord, if there are people in this room that need to confess to one another, may they have the courage to do so. That's what your word tells us we have something that's wrong with somebody else before we come to the table that we would go and make amends that we would go and make it right because you care about relationship you care about relationship with you you care about relationship with one another all of that matters and all of that is important how we experience you and worship you and walk with you father i pray that you would lead us on the right paths Jesus, you are the way and we would embrace the truth that you are the way. And as we come to the table, may we be reminded of how much you love us and what has been done for us so that we could be made whole. For that, we are eternally grateful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.